Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bald Guy Podcast with your host, Jeff Brown, and our guest, David Schaefer. Hey, everybody. This is Jeff Brown, better known as the Bald Guy around the country. Today, we're going to be talking to David Schaefer about some specially structured EIULs. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful summer day here in New Hampshire, and uh, just excited to talk about EIULs again with your audience. Well, I was about to say it's a beautiful day in San Diego, but that's redundant. <laughs> yeah, rub it in, Jeff. Rub it in. Well, first of all, we're going to talk about what, what I call the, or I guess you do too, the five premium EIULs. But would you give a quick description of exactly what an EIUL is? Certainly. It's a life insurance policy that builds up cash value inside of it. The way it builds up cash value inside of it is that it gives you an interest credit based on the movement of a stock index or a group of stock indexes uh, with certain parameters. Uh, my favorite option, the parameters are 0 to 17%. So that means if the market goes below 0, goes negative, you get a 0%. If the market goes above 17%, you're capped at 17%. Other than that, you get what the market moves. And the whole point of this is to be able to put money in and to take it out for retirement income or another use later on. And you do that by what's called policy loans. And it's not like a loan you get from a bank. You don't get charged interest or anything like that. They call it a policy loan because for a very important reason, it means that the IRS doesn't get involved in it. There's no tax repercussions whatsoever, so no income tax if you pull money out, and no uh, penalties for early withdrawal or not pulling it out if you don't want to. All that is just goes with your IRA, and we don't have to deal with that at all. So that's kind of the brief uh, description of it. It is a life insurance policy. It does have expenses like that, and you have insurance that goes along for the ride. Okay, I'm going to say two things in very plain English that people listening to that may have missed. Number one, when he was talking about the 0 to 17%, what he said was, essentially, you cannot lose money in any year. If the stock market has a net loss for a year, you just have 0% return. The insurance carrier takes that loss. Okay, that's very important. The second thing is the income in retirement, by IRS definition, is tax-free. Those are two things I wanted you to get out of that. Now, as far as the normal premium, people pay a premium on a, I guess, a monthly, quarterly, annual basis, whatever makes sense for them, Dave. But on this one, it's just five premiums, and, you know, they're paid four years and a day. Would you expand on that? Sure. The IRS has visited life insurance a couple times back in the 1980s. And they had to do that because of some abuses that were going on uh, with people just loading these uh, life insurance policies up with cash and just carrying a little bit of uh, death benefit. So they set up some rules and regulations that we live by that tells us how much premium and how quickly you can put it in and how much life insurance we have to have with that amount of premium. And so the least amount of time in a life insurance policy that you can pay premium is four years in a day, five equal installments. So you do one on day one, and then a year later do another one, all the way till you get your five installments in there. And that's the smallest amount of time that you could take to fund these and still have it called life insurance under the IRS guidelines and to receive that tax-free retirement income at the end of the day. So that's my easiest way of explaining it. 
You don't have to pay it annually if you don't want to, but uh, the most efficient way is to pay it annually because you have the most money working for the longest period of time in there. So generally my clients that do this have a fixed amount that they want to get into these. They'll do it annually because it's to their advantage. You know, it's funny how the principle of the time value of money always sneaks its way in there. Oh, yeah. Can't get away from it. Well, let's move on to an example here. I often get clients who might get a payoff of a note or they might more commonly be selling a piece of real estate where they were able to eliminate or or almost completely eliminate capital gains taxes. Let's say somebody nets 400000 and they want to do one of these five premium type EIULs. They want income to start in 20 years and last for either 20 or 30 years. What would be the income? And also, would you please give what it would be with real market yields, because I know you're kind of handcuffed uh, by the government with a currently artificially low return. So that would be $80,000 each year for a total of five premium payments. And, you know, at the end of uh, 20 years, if you wanted 20 years of income, it would be around $117,000. And for 30 years of income, around $107,000. If you were to... Look at what's been happening over the last 25 years and use those interest credits or something that approximates what's been real. Then you'll be looking at $129,000, $130,000 for the 20 years of income and around $120,000 for the 30 years of income. And I just want to talk a little bit more about this. The Minnesota Life Policies, which I like now, they have a, a interesting little uh, thing that they do with this that enables us to lower the cost of insurance in those, and that's what I'm basing this on. If you're willing to have your heirs accept a serial payment, like an annuity-type payment, which they'll get interest on it over the time period and get paid out over 25 or 30 years on a monthly basis, then you could seriously decrease the insurance expenses in there. And the way the insurance company, Minnesota Life, is able to do that is because they have to reserve a certain amount at a certain amount of time for expected death. Well, if they know that they're only reserving for a serial payment over time, then they don't have to reserve as much, and they pass on that savings to you. And what that means is that you're going to have more cash value at the end of the day for you to use. And for a lot of people, they want to have this for income, and the uh, death benefits is going along for the ride. So they don't really care about their heirs accepting a serial payment. In fact, some folks even like it. They say, if I were to leave a large sum of money to my kids, I would not want them to get it all in a lump sum. I like the fact that they would get it on a monthly input because that would make force them into maybe a little more responsible use of that money. So it's something that's fairly popular with my clients, and I did include that on uh, with these numbers just to pump up the cash value a little bit. Now, uh, if it is the heirs getting the money, the money remains tax-free. Is that the case? Yes, um, it remains income tax-free. Now, estate tax is a different story, and if you have uh, an estate tax issue, then it will be need to uh, be planned around with uh, probably a tax accountant or something of that nature that, you, that this could go into your, possibly go into your estate, but it is income tax-free. Right, and usually that planning is fairly simple because it's just a matter of knowing if the estate is over the maximum amount before they start coming at it. Right, which is six what's a six point two five million I believe right now for a single person. So uh 
and it goes up. They they have it uh, with an inflation adjuster on there, so it goes up every year. But it's fairly easy when you get up there and and you're looking at it to figure out: a, am I going to have any money left in, in my uh, insurance policy? And b, if I do, how will that affect my estate and the possible estate tax issues? So, now can the policy holder add money to this policy down the road of say ten years into it, and they're doing it for twenty years? You know, they run into a lump sum that they want to add to it. Is that okay? Well, with a caveat. The way this works most efficiently is once you're finished paying premium, you're actually going to decrease the death benefit down. If you don't lower that down, then you can continue to pay that $80,000 per year. Once you set it down, though, you can't put it back up. So then you are somewhat limited to the amount of extra money you can put it in. So if you see there's a possibility of an inheritance or selling a building or a piece of real estate or something like that that's coming up, then you simply don't lower the death benefit and wait and see if you have some more cash to put in there. Or you can lower the death benefit a little bit, not all the way, depending on what you see coming forward in the future. And that's an up and down math problem that you handle for them, correct? Yes, that's correct. Now, is it as flexible as, quote, the normal EIULs that are doing annual premiums? Um, a lot of ways it's more flexible in that if you're planning to front load these with a large amount of cash, that gives you a tremendous amount of flexibility going forward. For example, let's just say you're you're going with that $80,000 per year and something happens and you don't have that $80,000 put in there. Not a big deal. You simply skip that payment and add it on to the end. Or you might make a half a payment or a, or a quarter of a payment. It doesn't really matter. It has all that flexibility. Plus, it allows you to put in considerably more if you don't lower that death benefit down at the end of the day. So it really has as much, if not more, flexibility than the than the monthly input premiums. So in essence, if we're, say, five or ten years, we're, we're after the fifth payment's made, and, and all of a sudden your financial picture changes positively, you're able, say, to add 10000 a year. That's something that you could do. Uh, without a problem, and it would make sense to the policyholder. Absolutely, it would make sense because a lot of your expenses are already paid for. So just adding, you're just adding in more cash to build up. So, uh, and I and I do have clients that do that. You know, at the end of their premium plan, their plan premium, they decide to continue paying premium. So, and I know there's been scenarios where I've had clients who already had EIULs with you, and your advice was that it was made more sense for them to start a second EIUL than do what they wanted with the first one. What would be an example of that? Um, well, uh, I recently had a person who had a, a, a moderate-sized EIULs, and they came into an inheritance, and they wanted to put the inheritance money into uh, that EIUL. Well, it would take them literally 30 years to get all that in there. So instead of waiting all that time, we just started them with the second one, and uh, got them going with their inheritance, and they actually max-funded what we're talking about here with their inheritance. And um, there's also a way that you can just hand all the money over on day one to the insurance company, and they'll pay you interest on what hasn't gone into the policy, but they'll automatically apply it into the policy. So for some folks who just want to forget about it, just say, hey, I know it works, You know, I trust everyone, let's just send your money over there. I know I'm going to get a few percentage points right now on it. I'd rather do that than have to worry about getting billed and getting in there and things like that. So there are other options if you just want to uh, kind of let it go, so to speak, and just have it happen automatically. So Perfect. 
Perfect. Well, Dave, thank you so much. This has been incredibly enlightening. Well, thank you. And uh, just one more comment. That person that I was talking about has a, a couple of children that are getting up to college age. And one of their issues and why I thought about the fact that they put all their money up front into gave it to the insurance company is they wanted to take that type of cash out of their system, out of their financial system. So when colleges started using their matrix and looking at it, that wasn't there for them to see. So they just handed it all over to the life insurance company. It disappears from view from the uh, the college matrix. So I just want to kind of throw that out there at the very end. That's why they approached it that way. So That is not a minor factor. No, no. But when you start looking at how much colleges cost these days, it certainly isn't. Well, listen, Dave, thanks. And everybody listening, thanks for listening in. And we're going to see you next time out. Thanks for listening to the Bald Guy Podcast with Jeff Brown and our guest, David Schaefer.